Hallelujah. Well, what an awesome, awesome morning here in northern Michigan. Huh? I love uh, uh, Max. He, he was talking about the fall and how beautiful it is. And, you know, what I've noticed in my life, Max, is uh, uh, especially like working at camp, you know, you, fresh eyes are always good to remind us of what we're walking by every day. Sometimes that's, you know, bad because, like, there's leaking faucets or something because I've walked by that thing ten times. I've just become used to it. So it was a good reminder this morning for us to celebrate. We live in one of the most beautiful places on earth. I believe that with all my heart. And uh, to see the colors and the change of the seasons, it reminds me that it, that's like our lives as Christians. There's changes in our season. But God will always take us from glory to glory. And uh, if, we, if we get wrapped up in the trials and the tribulations, we forget about the glory that comes with it. And just as that in the physical world, when we, we, we take things for granted. So I, I prayed after that this morning in my spirit. Lord, help me not to take things for granted. You know, that, that you have a plan and a purpose in every one of our lives. And Lord, sometimes we, it, we, we get so busy, we forget to celebrate the, the awesomeness of God around us. So take time these next couple of days before those leaves disappear to celebrate the glory that God has around us. So uh, some of you may not know me, so I should probably introduce myself. I'm Tony Van Duzer. I am the camp manager at Lost Valley Bible Camp. Uh, I am also uh, the family life coordinator at the Hope Church in Gaylord. And, uh, but this morning I'm here with you. Uh, it was a privilege and an honor to be asked to cover for pastor mike does he have another wedding he's at is that did all of his kids get married this summer or yeah okay yeah that's awesome like the song right yeah so and and so uh i really consider it an honor and a privilege to to be here and i've been praying i've been praying for charlevoix for a very very long time and uh to see what the lord is doing uh sometimes when we're in the midst of it uh, we don't think, we, 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 we think like, um, you know, we think more about the trial or, or what's going on and we don't see the goodness that, that God is doing. And again, that was a good reminder this morning to, to share this word. Uh, take it from somebody that's on the outside looking in. God is doing something here at Charlevoix at Center Point Assembly of God. I believe that with all my heart. Uh, during worship, the Lord gave me a vision of young people uh, uh, on the worship team, on the worship team around you. And this altar was full of people, not just young people, but people. And, and you guys were worshiping together. Uh, I believe that God is, is doing a work here, and I think you're going to see people come. Uh, the word that I, I believe the Lord gave me this morning will help line some of that up uh, to help you see some things. So we're going we're gonna to pray, and I'm going to get right into it. Lord God, I thank you. Lord God, for your word. Lord, I thank you for worship, Lord, and for the presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, I pray that uh, the words that I'm about to say, Lord God, they, they not be my words, but they be your words. Lord, I pray that every heart would be open, every eye would see, and every ear would hear what you want us to see and hear today. And Lord, I pray that every one of us will leave here changed today for you. And Lord God, may your glory be fill our presence, Lord God, that you will be noticed when we leave here today, not only in our hearts, but, Lord, in the people that we come into contact and are around us. 
Lord, we just give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as I prayed about um, uh, what to share uh, a couple, when I was asked a couple weeks ago, the Lord brought uh, uh, Peter to mind, Second uh, Peter. And uh, so we're going to be in Second Peter. We're going to start in verse 1. But I want to kind of set, set what's going on here. So this is the second letter that Peter writes uh, to these people, right? And he's writing to them so that they will know what's going on. Sometimes in the midst of things, right, we get so involved, we don't see what's going on around us. So Peter speaks into them. And it's cool about Peter because what's, what's going on right now in this, this group of people, there is false teachers, there are, there are people from every walk of their Christian walk. They're new believers they're, who are mostly converts, right, Jewish converts. Uh, there are, there are uh, people that have been in the faith a little while, and then there are people that have been in the faith a long time, and among them, among the groups of these people, are false teachers. Some of them, most of them, are people that are mature, and I always get this, mature. You see, when we, we begin to say uh, words like that, uh, we can elevate ourselves accidentally to people that think they have arrived, that we have all the answers. We've got to be very, very careful of that. I, I never want to be that, that, that one with them. I want to be mature, but I don't want to be labeled that. I don't want to receive that. I, we are continuously learning in the Word of God. None of us will arrive until we get to heaven. And so when, when I've talked, to, I, I, this is the first time I've actually preached on this. I've taught in our class and, and stuff on it, but uh, the Lord really just burned it on my heart that it was a word for, for you guys this morning and for me. And uh, I'm in a place in my life where I have to watch for these things because of what's going on. So, so the, the, so the people are, they're, they're new believers and the new believers are struggling because they're seeing these people that have been saved a little while and then they're seeing these people that are mature in the Lord and, and, the, and, the, and the, the, the middle people, the people that are just in their walk are confused because they came out of this lifestyle that wasn't glorifying God and they were told this is what you need to do to glorifying God. But the people that are telling them that are doing the double standard thing. They're saying one thing and doing another. And then they're starting to justify as they get caught. They're trying to justify what they're doing as being right. And basically saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You haven't been walking with the Lord long enough to know. But Peter comes to set them all straight. So here's the first thing that Peter does, and I love this. That it says this letter, this is Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 1. It says this. Oh, let me, let me get my glasses on. I've reached that age, that time that I thought would never come. And here I am. Another season, right, that you go through. So this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave. That's a very important thing. A slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you to share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. 
our Lord. So he's speaking to all of them right now, speaking to all those groups. The first part is, I am a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. If you look into Peter before, right? You guys remember Peter that cut, cut the guy's ear off? What? Right? And the Peter that says, Lord Jesus, I will never deny you. I'll go to death with you. And then he, what? Denies Christ three times, right? But you will notice if you read enough about Peter. And I, I like Peter because it reminds me of myself in some ways. Or I see myself in, in that zealous Peter, you know that acts that way, and I can see that in my life. But what I love about the story of Peter is this is what's happened to Peter. Peter went from this zealous guy, right? He denies Jesus, and he, he gets bombarded in that last thing when the rooster crows. Man, that flood of emotions come off. He realizes what he's done. He'd done exactly what Jesus said he was going to do, and just like he had done before, but this time it was different. This time it hit his heart his mind, and his spirit. And so this whole time, this interaction, we don't know everything that happens between the time that that Peter denies him and then Peter gets restored. Thank you, angel, for that word. He gets restored in Jesus Christ. Then we see this Peter, who writes 1 and 2 Peter, who, who walks this life, begins to walk this life, and becomes this more mature love of God. And you know that because he says the word slave. See, Peter stops being an apostle. I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I know the word. And he starts to be a slave and a servant of Jesus Christ. And so when he goes with this word, and if you read through all of Second Peter, which we're not going to read all of Second Peter, but we're going to read search you will see this the, the 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 zealous passion that he had becomes passion and it becomes this this need that he wants to see everybody know Jesus he goes from telling people to do what to do to loving them in what to do there's a big difference you know peter changes in this walk God takes him from glory to glory to glory. And we see this love and this passion for people come out in Peter, in 2 Peter. So, he, as he, so the first part of this, he's speaking, I believe, basically and mainly to those mature and false prophets, false teachers. He's establishing his authority and he's establishing his servanthood that I am a slave to Jesus, but I'm also an apostle of Jesus Christ. So where before he lived in his authority, he surrenders his authority, but in doing that, he's showing him, showing the people that I'm only here because God has called me here. I'm only doing this because Christ told me to. Does everybody, do you see what I'm saying there? So, So as he goes on and he shares, I am writing to you, who share the same and precious faith we have. He's not on a pedestal. We all have the same faith. The faith was given to you because of justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and our Savior. May God give you more grace, more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So he's encouraging them to grow. And as a matter of fact, you go into three, and in the, the, the little uh, uh, 
highlight in my Bible says growing in faith. He begins to encourage them to grow in faith. He says, by his divine power, this is verse 3, God has given us everything we need for godly living. Everything we need for living a godly life. Hallelujah. So he begins to point out. I think right here he's, he's speaking to those, those, those uh, uh, younger Christians. Maybe they just got saved or maybe they've been in their walk a little while. And he's saying to them, remember, God has given you everything you need. God is, he is there. His divine power is with you. He goes on to say, we have received all of this by coming to know him, reminding them that they came to know him. The one who called us himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and, us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. He's beginning to point the way that, yes, you are right. There is something going on over here. He's beginning, he's speaking to those those young believers and saying, you're right. There's something going on over here. Do not, do not do this. Do not act that way. I love that. I love that he is, and he's slowly, he's slowly migrating them into this. In the following verses, he, he goes on and he tells them, to, in, in verse 8, he says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 10, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those that God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away then God will give you a, a, a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this whole first part of this from verses 1 through 11, he's, he's, he's pointing the way that, that there's something going on, but because uh, uh, we all have the same uh, uh, Savior, you can be more than what they are over there. And at the same time, he's reminding them, remember what it was like when you first got saved. How many of you, and I, I can speak for myself, I have to remember sometimes of when I got saved. Man, when I first got saved, I was a mess, Robin. I was, I was a mess. Uh, my whole way of thinking got abolished in, in, a, in a moment of receiving Christ our Lord. I had to stop drinking, I had to stop smoking, I had to stop carousing, I had to stop fighting. And I knew when I walked into that place that God was doing something. I could feel it in my stomach. I I knew, I just knew the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that was confirming this morning. We, We have to be a church that shows the presence of the Holy Spirit. His presence is in us. I tell this to my kids all the time. There are power, there is power in presence. Because the Holy Spirit, because Jesus lives in our hearts, there is power in your presence. Everywhere we go, everything that we do, we need to be Jesus with skin on. And yes, you're going to fall short. But when you do that, not like when these other believers, these, these false believers, these false teachers are just haughty. We got to come back down to earth. And when we fail, we say we failed. We ask for forgiveness and we move on. We don't 
we don't say one thing and do another. And so Paul, or Peter is pointing all that out. We have to remember that the, the power and the presence of God lives in us. So when we go, wherever we go, we take that power with us. And God will put you continuously in positions, in places, and around people that need to see the love of Jesus. And if we focus on the times that we fail, it'll prevent us from doing the right thing when we need to. Know what I mean? There's power and presence. And so he's, he's, he's telling these young believers that. He's reminding the ones that are a little further in the walk. As a matter of fact, you will see continuously in, this pass, in these passages of scriptures in Second Peter that the words, I remind you, come up a lot. Or, do you remember? Or, uh, uh, like, most importantly, everything that he does is with a purpose during this thing. And he's trying to convey, we need to be like Jesus. Remember who you are. Remember he died for us on the cross. Remember the presence of God. He's continuously doing that. And I think in our walk, in our place, we can, let me, let me just be real with you, all right? At this church, in this place, the history, right? There's, there's, not, there's some great history. I think I shared the last time God showed me people at these altars praying crying out, prevailing before the Lord for people to be saved, for people to be healed, for God's move of God, for the move of God on this place. He showed me that in the spirit. But he also showed me, which I didn't share with you, some of the, some of the things that have gone out where people are like, we're like, like the ones that say one thing and do another. So you got a choice as a church. You can be that church or you can be the one at the altars praying and believing God for the move of God. We can get hung up and we can live in that guilt and we can live in that unworthiness. We can live in those moments that we remember and so-and-so did this and so-and-so said that and, and, and then they left and then they left and then they did and they did this and they did that and our reputation is gone. No. See, your identity is not in your reputation. Your identity is in Christ. But you got to make a choice. Do I want to be that or do I want to be what God has called me to be? See, each one of you are here because God has a plan and a purpose for you at Centerpoint Assembly of God. You are the hands and the feet of Jesus. You have gifts, you have talents, you have things that God has given you for such a time as this. And we can look around and we can focus on what we don't have or we can look around and focus on what we do have and what God wants to do. And God wants to use Center Point Assembly of God to reach dying people in Charlevoix. I believe that with all my heart. He wants to use you to reach people in Petoskey. He wants to use you to reach people between East Jordan and Gaylord and wherever, wherever God sends you, wherever you live, those neighborhoods, you're there for a purpose. God wants to use center point to break these chains. That is the word that the God that God gave me for you all this morning. Don't throw away what God has given you to do. You you guys, let me again I'm going to be real with you. You've worked too hard, you've come too far. You've done too much to let the enemy steal that from you. 
Some of you have prayed. When I'm talking about these altars, you remember those times that you prayed at these altars, that you were crying out. Don't let the enemy steal that from you. As a matter of fact, in Jesus' name, Lord, I come against the lies and the deceit of the enemy. Lord, that their identity is in you, that you have called them for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. So Peter, uh, he goes on. And, and, and what I just said kind of goes into this, this part. If you, if you jump down to 16 there, it says, For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about, we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard the voice from heaven when we were with him on this holy mountain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because of that experience, we even have a greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words were like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the Christ's morning star rises or shines. In your hearts, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and spoke from God. Hallelujah. But there were, in 2, verse 1, but there were also false prophets in Israel. Just as there will be false teachers among you, they will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who brought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teachings and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. The way of truth will be slandered. Come on, Jesus. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. For God did not even spare even the angels who sinned. Listen. So when, now he's really hitting these, these false teachers and these false prophets. And he's also, at the same time, encouraging the new believers and the, and the, and the, and the believers that are kind of maybe struggling in their walk. He's, he's bringing out the falseness and the, and the sin to, one, hopefully turn those that are in that. But I, I believe more so to say, here it is. This is what it looks like, guys. Don't go there. Again, he's, he's moving them, bringing it to their attention. He's telling them that, listen, I love that part where it says, many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because these teachers, because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. He points to the, I love that, I, I don't like the words, but I love what he does there because he's saying the way of the truth will become slandered. If you follow this, if you begin to do that, you will forget. You will not know what the truth is. It will be slandered. Those are pretty strong words. And he's pleading with them. This is not the Peter that cuts off the guy's ear. 
He's not yelling at them, maybe like I'm doing now. <laughs> you know, he is pleading with them. He is begging them to turn away from sin. And he's begging those that are kind of in, in this thing, they don't know what to do. He's saying, this is what evil looks like. Do not go there. He's pleading with all of them to get right with the Lord. Hallelujah. He says he didn't even spare the angels who sinned. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move a little faster. So the rest of that chapter, or most of that chapter, is, is talking about these ungodly people and, and the way that they're going. And he's telling them the different things that they're doing. He's telling these young believers and these, these uh, 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 maybe these people that are just getting saved or new converts, this is what it looks like. Don't do that. Beware of these things. Watch out for these things. And then he gets to, to 17 and he says, these people, because, okay, let me, so the people that are, are spreading the lies, that are living ungodly, that are saying to these uh, young believers, it's okay to do this and do that. You can still do it all. You know, it got so bad that some of our, some, some of our theologians believe that some of these false prophets were even... I got to slow down because this is an important part. We have to understand that these false teachers were once disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay? They believed that Christ rose from the dead. They believed that, that he was the Savior. He was the Messiah. They got so far over there and so far away from it, they began to teach that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. That he wasn't the Christ. That as a matter of fact, you don't even need Jesus. All you need is God. That's how far they got off. Some theologians believe that's how far off they were. And there's proofs and different things that if you look through uh, other books, you will see that. But the, the, the thing that I see in Peter that still amazes me is that he's still pleading out to them. He could write them off. He could just take this group of new believers and, and this group of people that are struggling with their walk, he could, he could protect them. He could pull them away and say, don't just, just follow me. Just listen to what I'm saying. But he doesn't do that. He tries to get them all. He tries to get them all. Because why? Because that's what Jesus would do. Jesus would try to get them all. So he, he begins, to, he begins to, to move that way. And in 17, he says, These people are useless and dried up springs, a mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to the blackest darkness. They are brag about themselves with empty, foolish boast, boasting, with an appeal to twisted desires. They lure back into sin. Who are those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle and deception, the promise of freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption. For you, are, for you are a slave to whatever controls you. How do I know that, that Paul is or Peter is still trying to reach out to them? Because there is no exclamation marks. Well, what do you mean? Well, if you look as you read scripture, where people are condemning and doing this and doing that, you know, at which we can get like, there's usually exclamation points. He is speaking to the group as a whole. He is not looking in one-on-one with the false teachers. They're among the teaching. He's pleading with them. He's, ple- he's calling them out. 
These people are as useless as dried up springs. Did it probably offend them? Yeah. But the, the goal wasn't to offend them. The goal was to let Jesus work through me. I'm going to preach the word. Let the, let the conviction of Jesus, let the conviction of the Holy Spirit rise up in them. And maybe I won't lose them. Maybe we won't lose them. He's telling these new believers, these, these, these immature believers, that this is what it looks like. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. So he's pointing out what they already see. In verse 22, they prove the truth of this, proof, of this proverb. A dog returns to its vomit, and another says a washed-up pig returns to its mud. 3 verse 1. These, this is my second letter to you, dear friends. Now, look, you see how he does that real quick? This, that, that part amazes me. It shows his, his compassion, his, his love for these people. Because just as he points out all the sin and he, and he, he lets God work through him with, through conviction, at the same time, he turns it back to love and he says, this is my second letter to you, dear friends. He calls them back. It's not too late. And both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. Again, he's reminding them. He's reminding the ones who are walking away from Christ who they are in Christ, what they're called to, what they're supposed to be doing. He's not slamming them, even though the, the words are harsh. He's letting the conviction of the Holy Spirit move. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago. And what our Lord and Savior commanded through the apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you in these last days that scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promises that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything, was, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Hallelujah. He pulls that, he pulls it out. They're all converts. Most of them, probably 90% of them are Jewish converts. So he's trying to use, he's, he's trying to use the Old Testament, right? He's trying to remind them of their Jewish roots. And he's saying to them, he's saying to them, I want to remind you what the prophets of old said. Remember? These days would come. He's hoping that the ones that are in the sin will go, oh my goodness, what have I done? I have, I've, I've failed. He's not, he's not trying to condemn them, even though he's letting them know if you keep going that way, you're condemned. He's trying to, this passion, this, this, this need to call him back is there. I'm almost finished. Pino's, uh, Peter's final words. We're going to jump, we're going to jump to um, three I think that's verse 17. Yeah, 17. So I'm warning you ahead of time, dear friends, be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. He calls them back. 
He's reminding them who Jesus is. I said, I believe this message was for you guys because of, because of some of the history and some of the things that have gone out. And I, and I believe that, 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 that we're supposed to call them all back. I didn't, when the Lord told me that, I was like, why would we want to do that? Right? See, I think the last time I was here, maybe I didn't share this with you, but I shared it with, I think, Rob, and I, I know I shared it with Pastor Mike. I seen a ship in a port. Did I share that here? Okay, I just shared that with you and Pastor Mike. I want to share you. I seen a, a ship in a port, um, and there was all these, you know, anchors holding the ship down. The ship can't go back out until the anchors are pulled up or cut away, right? That's what holds you in port. So as, as worship went on last time, I seen that ship and God began to cut away anchors. Some were cut away, some were pulled up, but he began to do that and that ship began to move forward. I believe that was an analogy for y'all. Listen, the Lord has is, is cut away anchors. I did it again. Does Pastor Mike ever do that? I believe that uh, he, he cut away some anchors and he, he wants to get this ship moving. The thing with boats is they need anchors. So somehow, the anchors that got cut away, he's got to get them back because he's going to need them when he gets to the next place. Right? So I'm praying for you all. I'm praying that God is moving. I know he's moving here at Center Point. But I'm praying that he helps navigate you all through this time. I don't know what... Uh, I haven't heard the messages of Pastor Mike uh, since he's been back. Um, but I, I know in my own spirit, uh, as I prayed for him while he was gone on sabbatical, that God gave him a vision. Fresh. Renewal. And I believe that what God has given him is going to push you guys. He's uh, going to take that ship where you need to go. I believe that with all my heart. And I'm going to continue to pray for you. I think where we are today is thinking about this word. We have to ask ourselves where we are in this walk and what do we need to get rid of. If the worship team will come or somebody will come and pray, play music. Oh, there you are. Sorry. I looked over there. I was like, where'd she go? Um, my prayer for y'all has been that God will overflow in you. We can look at a lot of things about, you know, where we should be or where we shouldn't be. We can, we can reflect on what needs to be done uh, or think about what needs to be done. And those, those are probably good things. But we got to put them in the right place, in the right perspective. We got to ask ourselves, what group of people are we? Well, I can tell you, you're all sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I shared that with Melissa this morning and a few other people. I think you start there. I think it's good that you remember where you came from, what you've been through. But I think if you begin to celebrate what God has done, what God wants to do and how he wants to use you, 
I think that ship is going to get where it needs to go. And I think you're going to see God move in a powerful, powerful way. And those that you have dreamed of these altars being full, they're going to be full again. Those of you that have dreamed about kids and young people down in that wing, I believe that it's going to happen. I believe God is lining things up. Board, I don't know if the board is here, but board, you guys have got some major decisions coming your way. And I'm praying for you. God gives you wisdom and God gives you a heart. And listen, pay attention to red flags because God's going to put red flags up. I believe that's from the Lord. And you, you all need to pray that through. But God is going to move and is moving here at Center Point. But the things that he's got is beyond what you guys have ever imagined. I believe that. I believe those that have prayed at these altars. And I keep over here, in this side over here, there was somebody that prevailing on a floor, an older lady. And I keep seeing her over there in the spirit. And she would pray that the seeds that God had planted, people would water and people would bring and and, and those seeds would grow. And I believe there's something growing. I don't know why it's on that side, but that's what I feel in my spirit. That's what I see in my spirit. And I don't think she's with us anymore. But the things that she prayed, they're coming to pass. They're coming to pass. God is growing and God is doing something. And you're going to see loved ones called back from the Lord to the Lord. You're going to see strangers. Oh, by the way, forgot to tell you this. Thank you, Lord. There's going to be all kinds of people that come in here. You guys got to be ready for that. There could be people that are gay. There could be people that are drug inflicted that don't know any other thing. They're going to be way different. Some of them are going to be way, way different than you. God's love. God's love. And if you struggle with those things, listen, my, my thing I struggle, I'm a pastor, but the thing I struggle with most is alcoholics. I can't handle them. They drive me crazy. Why? Probably because I used to be one and I'm so afraid. I don't know why that's there. So I've been praying, God, get rid of that. Get rid of that. When those, those things, and God will put you in a place to overcome the fear more often. That's what I've noticed. He showed me that. So when that begins to happen, Love is the key. Do we not tell them the truth? No, no, I'm not saying that. Love them enough to tell them the truth. But you don't just tell them, you walk them through it. You walk them through that truth. I'm going to close with this saying, and then I'm going to pray for you guys. Uh, I had a a friend, well, I have a friend, uh, Estes Wells. And Estes Wells told me the story about an old preacher when he was a kid. And he was growing up and uh, uh, he wasn't he wasn't called in the ministry, but he was a big part of it. And, and uh, he was kind of like this pastor's go-to guy. And uh, new believers were coming in. They had a revival breaking out in their in their church. And the new believers were coming in, and and people, you know, sometimes different people when you come in, you know, it's a little weird, it's a little different, and you're not used to it. And, and but God used this old preacher. To, he told Estes. He said, Estes. He says, I want you to get so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so. And I want you to have them gather around those, those people when they come in. And Estes is what, you know, like, why so-and-so? Why not, you know? And, and finally, the old, the old pastor leaned down and goes, I want those eagles to get around them so the old buzzers don't get them. 
That's a truthful saying. And, and we have to remember that God is going to use us to reach them. And, and the truth that you guys know in your hearts, if you let your flesh get in the way, that truth won't come out. So love people. I need that. God's been really working on me with different groups of people. And he's consistently putting me in contact with those groups of people to say, love them. You want to live like Jesus? You want to you be like my son? Then you got to love them right where they're at. So when these folks come in, just love them. And if, if you struggle with that, get with somebody and pray with them. It may not happen overnight. It's okay. Don't let, that, don't let the enemy use that against you. Give that back to God, and God will get you to the place where you can, you can do that. He'll give you a ministry somehow and, and fill you so you can do that. Amen? Let me pray for you. Lord God, I thank you for your word. Lord God, I thank you that, that you, <laughs> that you, God, are among this group of people. And what you want to do here is amazing and it's awesome. Lord, I pray for every heart right now, Lord, that, that you open it up to what you want them to see and hear. Lord, I pray for those that maybe have never had a vision. You've never given them a dream, Lord God. I pray visions and dreams over them, Lord, that you will show them what they need to do. Lord, what you're calling them to do, where to be and what time and what to say. Lord God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that the vision that you've given Pastor Mike, Lord God, we're in agreement with it. We pray in agreement with it, Lord God, that you're going to move amongst your people. Lord, that these altars will be filled. Lord, that Charlevoix will be reached for, for, for the kingdom. Lord, your word says, first go into the city. Lord God, I pray. I pray the city of Charlevoix for Center Point Assembly of God. Then your word says, in the Samaria and Judea, Lord, I pray for the Samaria around here, Lord God. The area around here, East Jordan, and the outskirts, the suburbs of, of, of Charlevoix, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, for Judea, for this county, Lord God, that this church will be a lighthouse in this county, in this, in this Samaria, in this Judea. And Lord, then you're going to send them out, Lord, amongst the world. Lord, you're going to raise up. You're going to raise up missionaries out of this church, Lord God. You're going to raise up pastors out of this church, Lord God. You're going to raise up evangelists out of this church, God. You're going to raise up pastors out of this church, Lord God. You're going to raise up moms and dads that love Jesus out of this church, Lord God. Lord, we give you glory that Center Point is a sending church. Lord, that it's a loving church. Lord, that it's a place where people that need healing can come. Lord, it's a hospital for those that are spiritually hurting, Lord God. This lighthouse called Center Point Assembly of God, Lord God, I pray your favor over it. I pray your favor over Pastor Mike. Lord, I pray every, you will give him doors open that never thought they would be open, Lord God. And Lord, through those doors, healing will come. False False sayings will go, Lord God. You'll, you'll use him, Lord God, as a warrior to slash those things and bring truth over it. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that every place that he goes, Lord God, will be ground for you. And Lord God, I pray for this church and for these people, these sons and daughters, 
of the living God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Lord, that you will use every one of them in the places that you send them. Even right now, Lord, the Spirit goes before them. Lord, that their neighborhoods would be taken for you. The Lord, I pray for the prodigals. I pray for the prodigals right now, Lord God, that they would, your word says, when the prodigal came to his senses, Lord God, I pray that the prodigals come to their senses. And Lord God, your spirit, even right now, where they lay, where they work, wherever they're, what they're doing, Lord God, your spirit will fall upon them right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And your Holy Spirit will draw them back to you, Lord God. They'll make a phone call to mom and dad or grandpa and grandma or aunt and uncle or Pastor Mike or or Sister Robin or Sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. Lord, that that prodigal will call and Lord, will get the help that they need and Lord, you will bring them back to your presence. And Lord, we'll see great and mighty things accomplished through them, Lord God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for those in Charlevoix that don't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord. That as we go into the city, Lord God, and your word says that they will take back the city, Lord. They'll take back their land. and, And Lord God, I pray that people will come to know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If there's anybody here that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, I never want to miss an opportunity to share that with you. If that's you and you're here and you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, just slip up your hand right now. I want to pray with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord God, I pray for that for that hand right now. Lord God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you move in. Lord, that, that he begins to ask you, to take over his life, Lord God, that you would have your way. He would be bound to your path and to your purposes all the days of his life. Lord, that his sins are forgiven. And Lord, that he will know the call of God on his life. And Lord, we give that to you. To glory be to your name. In Jesus' name, I pray all these things. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you're here again and you miss prayer time and, or maybe the Lord brought something up to you, I'm going to be up here for a prayer. If you need prayer, come and I'll pray with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, by the way. Thank you for the opportunity and I pray that that, that word goes with you. Hallelujah.